Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. And at this point, I know he's not one of my neighbors, so my blood runs cold. Now, I know there's conflicting opinions on this sort of thing, but I firmly believe that there was a demon or some sort of evil presence in the room night. At this point, the room is spinning around me. I'm utterly terrified, and had been for a while, and was silently screaming in panic. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Thanks to the fun and challenging Best Fiends for supporting Disturbed, the binge-worthy mobile puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play, plus earn even more with $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Welcome back in everyone and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you four true horrifying tales and a listener voicemail that will make your spine tingle. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show hearing from an anonymous Reddit user featuring voice work by Rhiannon Mauschel, and we come face to face with the man in our house. I was a pretty and relatively smart 15-year-old girl, a good kid who did well in school despite a tough childhood. I was working in an amusement park full-time during the summer. The area I lived in could be sketchy, but having grown up with little to no adult supervision, I was used to trying to look out for myself. My father was out of town, mother was long out of the picture, and my sister, three years older, and myself were staying at our home alone. I finished work at 11 p.m. when the park closed and walked home by myself as I usually did. It wasn't far, perhaps 10 minutes. I arrived home, my sister was still out somewhere, and I got ready for bed, putting my pajamas on and crawling into bed. I was starting to fall asleep, but heard a small noise. I didn't know what it was, but it seemed like a usual house noise. My bedroom was on the second floor with stairs leading up to it. I didn't hear anything after that noise, didn't investigate, and just chalked it up to nothing. I started to fall back asleep when I heard what sounded like hesitant footsteps on the stairs. I was instantly awake, but in my mind it was my sister coming home and climbing the stairs where her bedroom was. Still in bed, I yelled out, Wendy? Wendy, is that you? I heard nothing back, 
I yelled again. Wendy, is that you? Nothing. More footsteps. I was petrified, but as I tell the story to this day, I don't understand some of my reactions that night, so I really can't explain them. I got out of bed, opened the ajar bedroom door fully, and went out to the stairs, where I stood at the top. Below me, about halfway up the stairs, was a man I had never seen before. He looked to be early 20s, a little taller than my 5'7". Not a big guy, but solid, with blonde, curly hair. I asked him what he was doing. His reply was a garbled mess, something along the lines of, Where's Wendy? My mother told me not to get mixed up with women. Where's Wendy? From his manner and wild-eyed look, he seemed to be on drugs. He had followed me home from the park and was asking, Where's Wendy? in response to my calling out for her. For some reason, I got very angry, not just scared, and started screaming at him to get out, get out of the house, that I was going to call my father and Wendy and he needed to just get out. To my surprise, he did. He turned around, ran back down the stairs, and I didn't see where he went after that, but he must have left. I have no idea how he got in, but he was definitely there for me. That's why he followed me. Not burglary or anything else. He was looking to rape, and who knows what else. I think the only reason he left was because he had no idea where my sister Wendy was, thought she was in the house, and it was an added complication to him getting caught. I was so shaken, I stayed up the rest of the night. I didn't call the cops, didn't call a friend. The only person I told was my sister the next day. I don't know why. I just sat in a rocking chair, clutching my cat and rocking and crying, staying awake till the next morning. My sister never did come home that night. She stayed at a friend's and came home the next day. This happened 35 years ago. I never told anyone till now. Are you loving the show? Let us know with a positive rating and review. In return, we'll help you hide the body. Up next, we check in with Reddit user status usual 5517, featuring voice work by Tanya E.B. And we find someone lurking in the shadows. Just a heads up, it'll be a long one. And the whole story might be a bit hectic because it still terrifies me to this day to even think about it. But after binge reading multiple similar stories here, I decided to share as well. So the whole thing happened back in the summer of 2016. For some context, my parents go on holidays quite often, and I used to stay home alone for two weeks at the time to look after our dogs and take care of the garden in general. I've always been a bit of a scaredy cat due to my experiences with being harassed and followed home alone a couple of times. My neighborhood was relatively new at the time, so the whole thing was surrounded by forests. And oftentimes, you could come across some junkies lurking in the forest while walking home from shops. However, despite that, I usually felt very safe in my house, staying with four big dogs and all. Nothing would ever really happen, since most of my neighbors were my dad's friends, who were all in the army. For some reason, it gives this odd sense of safety, because who would be stupid enough to try and break in in the area like that? Oddly enough, during that particular summer, a couple of break-ins happened on my street, but my parents still decided to leave me home alone, reassuring me I have nothing to worry because I have my dogs and our house is surrounded by a big fence. My fence has little spikes on top, 
so it's almost impossible to jump across it without hurting yourself. So, first couple of days were fine. Nothing weird happened except some thuds I heard in my garden, but thought nothing of, since usually it was just Martin's causing some mischief in my mom's flowers. It would happen so often that even my dogs would ignore it at that point. Two days passed, and I finally have to leave for shops. But due to loads of stuff to do throughout the day, I had to go in the evening when it was getting slightly dark outside. Very smart of me, I know. So I went to the shops, got my stuff, and would walk back home through my usual path. People would usually walk their dogs there, so it was quite busy in the evening, because it was something in between a park and a forest. So I was just casually walking, minding my own business, texting someone on my phone, when I noticed that some guy I passed suddenly stood up from the bench and started walking behind me. But again thought, maybe it's someone from my neighborhood that I don't recognize and he's just walking in the same direction as me. So I exit the forest into a normal road where houses start. I live right at the end of it. Guy's still walking behind me. I still think maybe he lives in one of these houses, but nope. I get to the last junction where my house is. Guy is still behind me. And at this point, I know he's not one of my neighbors, so my blood runs cold. Luckily, my neighbor who lives to the left of my house was outside watering his plants, spotted me as I was walking by, and started talking to me. He knew my parents were out of town and was clearly concerned why I looked so stressed. So, the guy who was walking behind me immediately noticed it and just started running away again towards the forest, which ultimately gave me creeps. He was clearly following me to my house. I called my parents to tell them that it happened, but again, they told me I have nothing to worry about, our neighborhood is safe. I had my dogs with me, and so on and so on, so I try to calm down and go on with my things as usual. So for some context, whenever my parents are out of town, I sleep in their bedroom downstairs, since I don't want my dogs to walk the stairs in the dark and possibly hurt themselves. That night, as usual, I was laying in bed reading a book, my dogs already soundly sleeping in bed with me. I suppose they could sense I was distressed, because they usually sleep on the floor around the bed. I heard a thud coming from outside, like a little thud on the window in the room next to mine. Again, thought it's just Martin's. But this one time, my dogs started growling at the window in my bedroom. Couple seconds of silence, another thud, this time on the window in my bedroom. That already made me panic, but I tried to stay calm nonetheless. However, the third got louder, each coming from windows on the ground floor. Someone was banging on every window of my house, making my dogs go absolutely apeshit, running around the house, wherever the bangs were coming from. At that point, I was in tears, knowing exactly what's happening. So I got out of my bedroom and walked to the center of my house. The house has an open plan, where I can see the main door. And here's the thing. My main door has a window in it so you can see inside, so I sat down in the darkness, a couple feet away from the door, waiting what's going to happen, hoping and praying that someone will get scared of my dog's barking. But nope, wasn't this lucky. First, I see my dogs rushing to the door, barking at it before there's anything there. But then I see a black silhouette outside my main door, peeking inside, and then banging on the little window as I'm sitting there, helpless. I moved out of sight, hiding under my table, got my phone out as I'm still hearing that man trying to break the glass. I called my dad, barely being able to breathe, didn't pick up for me. Right, it was like 2 a.m. and they were on holidays. I tried two more times until my mom picked up very confused why I'm calling in the middle of the night. I managed to spit out, someone is trying to break in. I don't know what to do. 
At that point, the man was trying to open the door, banging with his whole body on the frame to the point where my mom could hear it on the call. My dad was frantically trying to call everyone who could come and help me. His brother, my neighbors, my grandma. Everyone was put in a full mobility at that very moment to come here as fast as they could. My neighbor, the same one who spoke to me earlier that day, was the first one to come outside and scare the guy away. He rushed to my back garden, but I was still too afraid to open the main door, despite the fact I could see the neighbor standing in front of it. I knew that man was still on my property, but back of the garden was pitch black, and my neighbor didn't want to risk going there on his own and getting potentially knocked out with something heavy. Ten minutes later, my uncle, aunt, and grandma pull up to my house, and I can see them all outside. My uncle had a key, so he opened the door, letting my dogs outside so they could chase after the intruder. My dogs are hunting dogs, so they're not cute little puppies for strangers. My uncle and neighbor went in the backyard with torches, accompanied by my dogs to check every corner and make sure it's safe now. I will never forget how my grandma and my aunt approached me when I was clinging onto the chair, absolutely in tears, as my mom was trying to figure out what's happening on the call. The man escaped through the back of the garden into my other neighbor's garden. I'm guessing trying to get away from the dogs, but he was finally gone. He did manage to damage the little window in my main door. The glass was already slightly cracked. The door itself got loose on the door hinges. I don't want to think about what could have happened if they didn't get to my house that quickly. So it's a normal evening, right? We come home from work, have some dinner, chat about the events of the day, and everything is just as it should be. But then you happen to look around, and I'm not there. Banished. Panic is setting in, and you're about to take drastic measures. And finally, you find me, just getting a few moments to myself playing Best Fiends. Now, other people might wonder why you just disappear every so often, but the thing is, if you're having as much fun playing Best Fiends as I am, it's no secret why you sneak off to play. Now, look, for me personally, one of my favorite things about Best Fiends is how each level just gets slightly more difficult and challenging. It keeps your brain on its toes and engaged. And look, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure that's a good thing. And I tend to get into a groove where I just can't put the game down. And I'm in one of those right now because I've already gotten up to level 275 and I'm not slowing down. It's such a fun game. And for me, in between recording Disturbed, it's a great way to unwind and de-stress. I can zone everything else out and just focus on playing, which keeps my mind off other stressful day-to-day -day things. My experience with Best Fiends has been awesome. And I've even gotten a few friends into the game as well. And the friendly competition we have checking in on who's at a higher level is really fun and brings a great new dimension to the game. And Best Fiends even has offline play, so if you lose that internet connection, and we all know this happens more often than we'd like, you're still good to go. It's free to download, so what are you waiting for? Download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. Plus, earn even more with $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. 
You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Now back to the horror. Disturbed Podcast with your host, Chad. And now let's check in with a listener whose name I unfortunately did not get, but he has an experience on the streets of his hometown. Hey guys, big fan. Um, I've been listening to the show for about two weeks now, and it has already taken over everything in my life now. There's absolutely nothing else that I listen to. So a big shout out and a big thanks to you guys. You definitely make getting through my day a, a lot easier. But to get right into the story, this happened about 10 years ago. So I was 18, 17, 18 years old. And I was born and raised in upstate New York, Rochester. And, you know, as a kid, late at night, there's nothing else to do. So me and a buddy of mine decided that we're going to hang out for a little bit and smoke. So... The guy that we both had gotten our our smoke from at the time, he wasn't answering the phone. And I grew up in a pretty rough neighborhood. So around this time on any given block, there would be tons of guys just standing outside, just waiting to sell their smoke. (laughs) So we knew this particular block that there's so many guys out there trying to make money that Nine times out of 10, one of them will be willing to do a two for one deal. So we actually called some other guy that we knew and he was like, you know what? Like, it's, it's OK. I'll be outside in a few minutes. Just pull up and uh, let me know when you guys are here. So we get there and we call him, let him know we're outside. He said he's doing something. he would be outside in a few minutes. As I mentioned before, it's a pretty rough neighborhood, so I'm constantly checking our surroundings. My head is constantly on a swivel. And we were 
in the middle of the block and there was a stop sign ahead of us and a stop sign behind us kind of a ways away so it was you can see if any car was coming ahead of you or behind you there were no side streets or anything so i'm looking around making sure you know we're staying safe and i don't see anyone i turn my head forward and i'm in the passenger seat my friend is in the driver's seat i'm in the passenger seat in the front and as i'm checking my surroundings i don't see anyone i look forward my door opens we didn't see this guy coming we're both constantly looking around and checking our surroundings neither one of us saw him coming and then my door opens and i notice that his hand is tucked underneath his jacket and he asks are you good now being from rochester if someone asks you good depending on the tone it can be hey are you okay or hey do we have a problem and the tone he used was a hey do we have a problem so me and my friend looked at each other kind of confused and we're like, yeah, like we're just waiting for someone to come out. And he goes in a more stern tone, nah, are you good? So we kind of get quiet and we're like, yeah, like there's nothing going on. Like we don't, we don't have any problems. We don't want any problems. He stares at us for a few seconds. He goes, all right, pulls his hand from under his coat, shuts the door and walks toward the direction of behind the car. So we're freaking out. We look, we seen him walking, turned back around, facing forward. Something told me to check again. And as I turned around, he wasn't there anymore. Now, this is a neighborhood to where I went to high school with kids that I started kindergarten with. Everyone knows everyone for the most part. After our friend came outside to give us our smoke, we asked him about it, gave him a full description and everything. No one has ever seen him no one's recognized them as far as our friend knew everyone from that neighborhood was accounted for in the house that he was in that's why it took him a while to get come outside they were having their own little party to this day we've never seen this guy again we've asked other people given the description and and still we don't know who this guy is now saying it out loud being 28 years old it was probably just some kid walking around the neighborhood who no one just recognized but even still telling this story i get a a super super eerie feeling that something about it just wasn't right it, it was just unnatural that's my story again thank you guys for all that you do and I, i'll continue to look for more episodes thanks a lot and i hope everyone has a great day stay safe out there Thanks for that submission, and who knows, maybe a supernatural element going on there. Make sure you let us know if you ever get an answer to who that mystery man was. Do you have your own terrifying encounter? Did something unexplained happen to you? Let us know and get featured on the podcast. Email mystory@disturbedpodcast.com. Next up, we have an email submission from Jordan, featuring voice work by Tom Eglio, and we have an out-of-body experience. Greetings and salutations to the Disturbed team and listeners. Everything I'm about to tell you is 100% true. I've never shared this story with anyone before, but by doing so now, I hope this helps anyone going through the same situation. 
About two years ago, I was going through a really rough patch in my life. Hopelessly addicted to porn, constantly eating unhealthy, incredibly low self-esteem, the works. Now, I'm a Christian, this is important for later on, but I felt sort of disconnected from my faith in those years. I didn't stop going to church, but I was feeling incredibly guilty all the time. Now, for the action scene, one night I was watching TV with my parents and I fell off to sleep on the couch. I don't remember much after that except when I came to about an hour later, I just felt this incredibly strong sense of anger towards my mom. Now, my mom and I have a great relationship. I absolutely love my mom. In fact, I've never known a single person that doesn't get along with her, but for some reason, everything she said and did made me incredibly angry. At that point, I started walking around the house checking the windows and doors, as I usually do at nights, and then I started to head upstairs to my room. Once I got there, I saw my mom making my bed and I just felt this unholy anger, pun intended. It's like everything she said and did made me more and more pissed. Thankfully, I never said or did anything, I just jumped in bed and closed my eyes. Towards midnight, I woke up suddenly, but it was weird. I couldn't move my body at all, I was completely frozen. Now, I'm a pretty big guy, so I'm not used to being overpowered, but no matter how much I tried, I couldn't push myself up from my bed. My legs might as well not have existed at all. Then the really terrifying shit started. It's like I was lifted out of my body, like I could see my room from a bird's eye view. I looked down at my body, just lying there, not moving. Then something caught my eye in the corner of the room. I saw this dark mass, like a dark flame burning in the corner. I couldn't see the actual figure, but I swear to you, there was something in the center of the flame. It called out to me by name. It was a whisper that just kept repeating my name over and over with subtle variations each time. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. It almost sounded like a little girl whispering my name. Even worse, behind the whispering little girl, there were other voices speaking in a language I've never heard. Those voices sounded so terrible. In a flash, I was back in my body, and I tried to scream. Nothing would come out. I tried to pray, but my mouth wouldn't open. As a last resort, I drew a cross on the roof of my mouth with my tongue. Strange, I know, but it worked. Almost as soon as it started, it ended. I immediately got up and grabbed my Bible and switched the light on. I spent a minute catching my breath and making sure nothing or rather no one was there. I then started reading my Bible and prayed. I started feeling better, but I still slept with my light on for the next few nights. In hindsight and after a ton of research, I discovered that this is called Old Hag Syndrome. Now I know there's conflicting opinions on this sort of thing, but I firmly believe that there was a demon or some sort of evil presence in the room night, which would also explain my unexplained anger towards my mom. I, I don't know guys, but the one thing I know is that it hasn't happened since and my mom and I are doing great. P.S. I'm in a much better place now, healthier, stopped porn, and much more happy. I'm not perfect, but I wake up every day trusting in God and trying. I hope this story helps someone. Cheers, guys. Are you terrified yet? You will be. And finally, we close out the show hearing from Reddit user Okay, I'll Do It Again, featuring voice work by Melissa Medina, and we hear a startling confession. And as a disclaimer, the story does mention suicide and a difficult corresponding conversation. So this happened about seven years ago, and I'm still mentally recovering. I was at a warehouse party that is used as an underground venue. I had a couple drinks and was chatting with a few people when I see a friend of mine. Let's call him John. John and I had been friends since middle school. I'm in my 30s now, and our friendship only deepened after we graduated high school. 
We've had many one-on-one hangouts, dinner, drinks at a bar, etc. And nothing has ever been weird or awkward between us. We would discuss the typical topics, family, hobbies, politics, etc. John has always been a bit of a loner, but maintained a few close friendships. And I always chalked it up to him being a bit shy. Overall, I perceived him as a good person and one of the few male friends that I could trust. We engaged in conversation and everything was going completely as usual. Then he randomly mentioned that he was jealous of me. This took me aback as at the time, nothing was particularly great about my life. Low wage job, no serious significant other, shitty car. I began questioning him about why he would be jealous of me and several times he tried to change the subject. I kept pressing him. He sounded depressed, and I thought he needed to open up. He goes on to say that he is jealous of the way I interact with people, how naturally it comes to me, how I always have a positive energy about me, and how I genuinely care about things. I tell him, well, there must be something you care about. He proceeds to tell me that he doesn't care about anything or anyone, and never has that all of his friendships are based around similar hobbies, but he genuinely doesn't love or care about a single person that he has ever known. I was very disturbed at this point, as I could tell he was being completely sincere. I asked, what about Carlos? Carlos is a mutual friend and the person I thought to be John's closest friend. He replied, even Carlos. I kept asking him different questions like, not even your mom or sister, and he said, no, I don't care about them. I don't hate them, but I don't love them. I never have. This conversation carries on for a good 30 minutes or so. He describes his thought processes about a myriad of things in life since he was a child, basically devoid of feeling and knowing that he was different from others. John and I have taken psychedelics many times, not together. So I asked him, what do you experience when you trip? He replied, visual hallucinations, but mentally all my trips are the same. They're dark. I don't have euphoric love or other blissful feelings that some people describe. I have dark fantasies. He goes on to say that he has a proclivity for violence, that it is the only thing that he thinks about that makes him feel anything at all. Then he tells me that he has killed someone. At this point, the room is spinning around me. I'm utterly terrified and had been for a while and was silently screaming in panic. I mean, I didn't feel threatened by him, but I could tell he was being completely sincere. I've known him since we were kids. He was calm. My eyes were darting around the room when they weren't met with his looking for an exit alibi. He starts in on the details of the murder. He shot a man in the head, a stranger who was unsuspecting. He didn't go into much detail. He was apologizing to me profusely between every detail he did tell, saying that he deeply regrets telling me all of this about himself, that I'm a beautiful person and he can't believe I'm the one he confessed to. He mentions many times that I'm the only person he has ever told any of this to. He also tells me that he doesn't regret it. He then says that he must kill himself now that he has admitted this to me, and because all he wants to do is kill people, particularly strangers. He said if he doesn't kill himself, 
that he will kill again. We discuss therapy and other options, but ultimately he says that he's going to kill himself, and now I know why. I don't talk him out of it. I don't tell him no. I tell him I'm there for him, but that I think he should do it. I mean, judge me if you want, but it seemed like the only answer in this horrifying moment. This entire conversation lasted about two and a half hours. At the end, he swears me to secrecy and tells me I've been a good friend and gives me his last goodbyes. Now, I'm sure you're wondering, did he kill himself? No, he didn't. I ended up confiding in a few mutual friends, basically stating, stay away from John. I didn't go to the police, as John told me I was the only person he had confided in, but one of my friends who I confided in did go to the police. I don't think anything came of it. John reached out to me several months later telling me that he desperately wanted to kill again. The desire was so strong and he would just kill himself. I blocked him on everything after that. I ran into him at another party about a year later and we exchanged greetings like nothing weird had ever happened between us. I dread running into him again. Now, just as a follow-up to this story, the Reddit user wanted to make it clear that the talk she had with this individual was the opposite of what she would encourage in basically every other scenario. When she mentioned therapy, his response was that it would not work and was not worth trying. This was an isolated and very extreme set of circumstances, so please keep that in mind. Now, our stance is that there is always a way to find someone some form of help, no matter the circumstances. And if you are struggling with these sorts of thoughts and feel like you have no one to talk to or that no one will understand, you can call or text 988 anytime, day or night, 24-7 to reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Now that goes for anyone. Don't hesitate. Call or text 988 and someone will be there for you. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. Don't forget you can send in your own true terrifying tale in a variety of different ways. Head over to disturbedpodcast.com slash submit. And if you'd like to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast to learn more. And let's shout out our newest supporters, Grace Perch, Zek, Shelby Holiday, Blaine Hinkle, Cheris, and Nick Cook. They all get instant access to our catalog of bonus episodes, ad-free listening, and 24-hour early episode releases, and you can too, over at patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. Music by Carl Casey at whitebataudio and co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.